0: Psalms chapter 91, continuing through uh, book 4 in Psalms, and we're going to be in chapter 91, and there's some really good stuff in this, in this chapter, but there's also some, there's a few things I want to point out to you in this chapter. There are verses in here that often get misused by a specific group of people in the world of Christianity. And when I say the world of Christianity, I use that term very, very loosely. Right, and we'll talk about some of those people in a little bit. But let's go ahead and let's, let's read uh, some verses here. It says in verse 1, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wing shalt thou trust his truth shall be thy shield and buckler so we 're going to stop reading right there for a minute, but I want you to notice there's a lot of things that are said here that are there they 're very positive they 're very they 're very comforting they 're very uplifting and you know this is a song, okay, a lot of songs that we sing are songs that are very uplifting they 're very jubilant they 're kind of meant to. Get you fired up a little bit, alright? We like those songs, and this is one of those songs. And I don't know what the tune was when this song was sung, but I just picture it being a peppy one. I think it was one that was probably a little bit lively, and that's just kind of the way I picture it when I'm reading this. But notice it mentions that God is our refuge and our fortress. And that, the title of tonight's message is God our fortress. God our fortress. And a fortress, that's a place, you know, it's a castle. It's a place not just, and not just a castle, you know, where some king lives that's luxurious and all these, but a fortress is some place that you go to be protected. It's a place that's safe, a place where you can feel like you're protected from some enemies that might want to come at you. And one thing that you will find out as a Christian is we've got enemies that want to come at us. And we need a fortress. And even at, you know, just as an individual, the devil is going to attack you. You know, The devil comes after us all the time. And thankfully as believers we do have a fortress. We have a place where we can go, a place that's safe, and the Lord is our fortress. Okay? He is a fortress, he is our he is our stronghold. He protects us. And notice in verse 1, it says he that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high. You know, so what what is a secret place that talking about there? And there's a lot of references that we see in the Bible to secret place in Psalms 18 verse 11. It says, he made darkness his secret place. His pavilion round about him were dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. And chapter 81, verse 7, says, thou callest in trouble, and I deliver thee, I answer thee, in the secret place of thunder, I prove thee at the waters of Meribah. So I personally think when it's talking about a secret place... But one thing we're going to see a few. I want to show you a few examples of in this passage. A lot of times in the Book of Psalms, people get overly literal. Okay, and people get people like to get all spiritual whenever you start saying that something is you know is figurative in the Bible. Oh, okay, so the Bible doesn't mean what it says. You know, and there are some things there. It, it's obvious that they are. You know, it's it's figuratively speaking. And if you just lose, use a little bit of common sense. You'll, you can tell what it is, okay? And so when it's talking about this secret place here, I think it's a fancy way of saying that if we're in his, you know, his shadow, we'll be safe. It's some, you know, a secret place is some place that's private, okay? And what it's saying, he that dwelt in the secret place of the Most High. In other words, if you're with him in his private place, all right. there's songs we sing about having a secret place. And it's a place where you go, by yourself. It's a place where you go to get alone with God. And you can find comfort in that secret place. You can feel a closeness to Him. You can pray. The Bible talks about when you pray, you know, to enter into your closet. And you do. You go there in that closet, you get alone, you get away from all the distractions, and you do you just feel safe, you feel free to just pray for whatever's on your heart. There are some things that, you know, when we when we have prayer requests, often people say, Oh, I have an unspoken. Alright, now why do you call have it unspoken? Because sometimes you have some things that are very private. Some things that you don't want to mention, you know, to everybody. But whenever we go to that secret place of prayer, you know what, we can, we can tell it to the Lord. We can say whatever we want to Him, and He'll hear our prayers. And when it's talking about uh, us being in His shadow, you know, abiding under the shadow of the Almighty... Basically, if we're close to him, we'll be safe. Okay? Under the shadow. To be in the shadow of something, you've got to be close to it, don't you? And those of us who are staying close to God, if we're in his shadow, then we're gonna we're gonna be safe. Now, is that figurative or is that literal right there? Okay? That's figurative, right? Does anybody see a shadow of the Almighty around? No. There is no there is no physical shadow. It's speaking figuratively. And we often say that too, whenever we're uh, you know There's a a term too if you're following somebody. You know, go shadow that guy. You know, why do we say, you know, whatever he does, you do. Alright? Wherever he goes, you go. Like that shadow that follows you around. That's what we need to do with the Lord. We need to stay in his shadow. We need to stay close to him. And when we're in the shadow of the Almighty, we are in a very safe place. And that's what he's talking about here. He's going to keep us protected. He will deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He and then verse 4, he shall cover thee with his feathers. Hey, guess what we just learned about the Lord here? He has feathers, right? Is that what this is saying? Alright, now listen, we're not Ruckmanites here, okay? We don't we we you know we know the difference when something is literal and something's figurative. Now, why would it say that he's gonna cover us with his feathers if he doesn't have feathers? Can anybody tell me why he would say that? Mama bird protecting her young. That's exactly what a mama bird does. She puts them under her feathers. She tries to protect them. And we've all been there before. We've seen that. I've seen that a lot with geese too. And they and one of the things too that geese do, if you ever do get near their young, they like to spread their feathers out. Now, what's that going to do? Okay, nothing. All right, but it makes it makes them look bigger, right? And it's their way of trying to be intimidating, trying to scare you away. They're just they they are going to protect their young. And they do. They'll get under there, that little bird, or that baby bird, it'll lay there under the feathers of his mother, and it will protect it from the rain, or whatever, the wind, whatever's coming around, that mother will protect it with his feathers, and that's what the Lord does to us. If we're close, this does not mean the Lord has feathers. Alright? It just, it's just showing how he is protective of us, like that bird is. And you know, it's great too, when you see these birds sometimes that get real protective, it's like, you know, I can totally take you. Okay? And it's kind of funny, but you know what? That bird will put up a fight. That bird will do whatever it's capable of doing to protect its young. And in the, in the book of Psalms here, the psalmist is comparing the Lord to that bird and how He protects us. You know what? The Lord will do whatever He's got to do. The Lord will do whatever He can do to protect us. And guess what the Lord can do? He can do anything. So, we are very safe when we are in the shadow of the Almighty. That is a great place to be. Look at verse 5. It says, "...Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction... That wasted at noonday. Right here, we see when, when we are close to God, when we're a shadow, there's no need for fear. Okay? There's absolutely no need to fear. That's pretty self-explanatory right there. But one thing we're gonna see, I'm gonna show you a few things in this passage. There are some promises that we see in here that there is a group of people that take these things to a whole nother level. And we call these people the prosperity gospel preachers, alright? And well often what they'll do is they'll go to a place like the book of Psalms, and they will look at all these, I mean, promises that were given, and a lot of these things that are very uplifting and sound really great, and then they will apply these things to, you know, to us, and basically, you know, if we're, you know, as long as you give them your money, nothing bad will ever happen to you. And then, and not just the prosperity people, okay? Because you, you, do, you have the prosperity gospel people, you have the Robert Tiltons, you have the Kenneth Copelands, you have the Creflo Dollars, you have the people like the, that, that basically they preach, you know, if you're having credit card problems, you know, just donate a $1,000 to our ministry on your credit card, and your credit card problems will go away, alright? You have those guys, and they're real, alright? And they, it works, have you ever seen Kenneth Copeland's house? Have you ever seen Kenneth Copeland's airport? His own airport, not his own airplane. He's got his own airplane. I forgot how many millions that thing cost. His own airport. All right. It, it, all right. That type of preaching is effective in getting people to give their money. Sometimes I'm like, you oh know, Lord, should I do just a little bit of that? I promise. I might get that money dishonestly, but I'll use it better than he does. <laughs> the Lord won't let me do it. He won't let me do any of that. But you know what? There's a lot of fundamental Baptists that are kind of like the prosperity gospel preachers that will basically preach in a way that if you're right with God, nothing bad will ever happen to you. If you're right with God... Only good things are going to happen to you. You know, you're not gonna, you're not gonna have any problems. And then it's like, anytime something bad's happening to you, you know, if you're sick or, you know, you have a car wreck or a flat tire, you know, it's because you didn't do something right. Those people are all over the place. Okay, Baptists, Baptist preachers especially. I, you know, they. I mean, I, I can't tell you all the judgments I've had pronounced on me. You know, and, and it all depends. Alright, it all depends on if you're in good standing with them or not. If you're in good standing with them, and something bad happens to you, the devil's fighting. You know? Or the Lord's testing you because he's got something great for you. But if you're in bad standing with them and something bad happens to you, the Lord's trying to get a hold of your heart. The Lord's trying to get you to repent. And let me tell you, that, that type of teaching right there is wicked. And you know what? It's just as wrong as what guys like Robert Tilton and all these other guys preach. It's just, it's just as inaccurate to say those things. But you know, a lot of times they can run to the, you know, the book of Psalms. They can go to Psalms chapter 91 and they'll pull verses out of here. They'll pull verses out of these chapters and they'll misuse them. And you know what? Not only do the prosperity preachers do it, not only do these, you know, the Robert Tiltons and even a lot of Baptist preachers do it who are always pronouncing doom and gloom on people. You know who else does it with Psalms? Satan. Satan himself, and we—I will show you where Satan himself quotes this psalm to tempt Jesus, and I'm going to show you how we need to interpret this and how we can understand this. But this passage—it's in no way preaching a prosperity gospel. We see a lot of great promises here. We see that we don't have anything to—we don't have anything to fear. But notice though, because he, all right, so in verse five it says, "Thou shalt not be afraid." All right, that sounds pretty good, you know. Um, you know, but notice, it says, "Thou shall not be afraid for the terror by night." So there's terror at night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day. That means there's arrows flying, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. We see here that we can, you know, even though we're in the shadow of the Almighty, we can still be surrounded by bad things. Okay, now, we're to, we'll see some verses here where it's not going to hit us. Where it says it won't hit us. But understand that being close to God doesn't mean you know, that life is going to be like we're just running through this you know, field of flowers you know, in the sunlight with our arms stretched out you know, doing a Julie Andrews singing the Sound of Music or something like that. All right? that's, not, that that's not what it's talking about. Okay? Sometimes being close to God means we're going to be surrounded by the arrows. We're going to be surrounded by the pestles. We're going to be surrounded by all these things. But notice, if we're in the shadow of the Almighty, we don't need a fear, do we? We don't, we don't need to fear. And as, um, as believers, when we get defeated in battle, it's not usually because we you know, got hit in our body. It's because we got hit in our mind. Okay? Turn over to Hebrews chapter 12. And I preached on this a while back when we were going through the book of Hebrews. But I think this is worth repeating. This is this is very important here. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, and verse 2, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Okay? Whenever you think you're going through a tough time, Look unto Jesus, follow His example. Has anybody gone through anything worse than what Jesus went through? Okay, obviously not. None of us have gone through anywhere near what Jesus went through. Yet, you know what? He got through it. You know, we're supposed to look unto Him, the Author and the Finisher of our faith. And He said we need to do that, lest He be weary and faint in your minds. Ye have not resisted unto blood, striving against sin. In other words, He's saying here, hey. You might be about to faint in your minds, but you realize you haven't even bled yet. You have not resisted unto blood. The battle that you're facing has not even made you bleed. Now, Paul faced some things that literally made him bleed, didn't he? He, he literally went through some real physical battles. These people here in Hebrews, they hadn't gone through these things yet. But many of them were fainting in their minds. In America today, we've got people in Baptist churches giving up left and right. Why? We're not being persecuted. Anybody seen anybody martyred in the United States in recent years? No. Then why are people fainting? You know why? Because they're fainting in their minds. You know why? They're su- because they're surrounded by the arrows that are flying by day. They're surrounded by the pestilence and all these things. They're surrounded by all that wickedness, but you know what? They're not. Maybe they're not in the shadow of the Almighty or Maybe they're close to God in a sense, but they're looking at everything else. They're focused on the arrows that are flying. And if that's the case, then you're going to to faint in your mind. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it's my personal opinion that the whole time they were in that furnace, they had their eyes on Jesus. They were focusing on Jesus That fourth man that was walking with them in the fire. And you know what? The fire didn't hurt them. When they came out of the fire, the smell of the smoke wasn't even on them. Not a hair of their head was singed. You know why they kept their focus on Christ? Peter, when Peter was walking on the water, while he kept his focus on Christ, he was just fine. But then when he started looking at the winds and the waves and everything, all of a sudden then he began to sink. When he got focused on other things. And when we faint, it's because we faint in our mind. We faint in our mind. And if we're in the shadow of the Almighty, I don't believe we are immune from fainting because if we start looking at all the other things, those things will get to us, they'll bother us, and then we might end up fainting. But if we stay close to Him, if we keep our focus on Him, the One who will cover us with His feathers, the One who literally can stop any enemy, then we don't need to worry about those things. We can look at those things and and laugh at, it. because they're nothing against our God, and if any, but you know what if something touches us? well, if something touches us, it will be because God lets it touch us and if God lets it touch us, he does have a purpose for it, he will use it for good, and you know we, we don't need to we, we, we shouldn't be so concentrated on how we can go through life without ever getting hurt. you know we ought to allow ourselves to be vulnerable to some things, but A lot of people today, you know, you know, thanks to years of preaching, you know, we never have to worry about tribulation. We're never under God's wrath. We got a whole generation of Christians that think that life's supposed to be easy street for Christians. They get all bent out of shape. Preachers, you know, start running their mouths, calling God a wife beater if He allows us to go through tribulation. You know, acting like we're under the wrath of God if we're receiving persecution from the world, even though the Bible says, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And, no, and and everybody agrees with that. And nobody thinks that's God slapping his bride when that's going on, but all of a sudden it is God slapping his bride when it's the tribulation. It makes no sense at all. And we wonder why people fall for this prosperity gospel garbage. We have a whole, I mean, you know, two or three generations now of Christians have been taught you'll never have to go through tribulation. You're not step one foot in that tribulation. We're just waiting for the blessed hope. Any moment now, he's he's coming, he's getting us out of here. You know, give all your money. You're not going to need it. You know, you're not going to have to pay those bills. Wouldn't it be great if you didn't have to pay those bills? Wouldn't it be great if the Lord just came? I sure wouldn't want the Lord to come back with a bunch of money in my wallet. You know what? we got a place where you can take care of that right now so the rapture doesn't come with money in your wallet. You know, it just You know, stupid stuff. And listen, it's not just on TV where they do the dirty tricks. I've been to camp meetings. I've been to, listen, you've never seen any I mean manipulation. You've never seen craziness until you see a two-hour offering at a camp meeting. I've been there. I've seen it. It's weird. It's crazy. And boy, does it work. Maybe, maybe we ought to do that. I don't know. I tell you, I, I think a great idea is for I would get money all the time. And the Lord just won't let me do them. But I, I, I've been there. I've done that. I've seen them where the people are just, they're giving all their money. They're giving all the money they've got. And then people start giving stuff away. I remember I was at one one time and some lady went and she gave her guitar. And I remember I had, I had my guitar then. I was all excited about the guitar. I had a new guitar. And I'm like, I didn't give my guitar. <laughs> and, and I didn't. I didn't give my guitar. She gave her guitar. And then this other guy, he got convicted. Man, that young lady gave away her guitar. You know what? I should, not only did he give away his guitar, he gave away five guitars. He gave five guitars to the church. I wonder how much they sold those things for. You know, but um, yeah, you know, just and, and all kinds of things like that. You know, people going giving their jewelry and just uh, crazy, crazy stuff. And you know, we need to we need to understand. You know, we people need to start exercising some common sense with things. And a lot of times, it's like ever people do these things, a lot of the people that give this money, they do it in desperation to gain God's favor. Because they're thinking, you know, my finances are a wreck, my life's a wreck, if I give this money, if I do this, all my problems will go away. You know, this will get me in the shadow of the Almighty and nothing will touch me. No bill collector will be able to touch me. You know, whatever I need, it's going to be there. But that, that, that's, just a, that's just a bad attitude. All right? That's not the way this is supposed to work. So, um, look at verse 7. So it says, A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. Y'all see that? We just see a promise right here, if we're in the shadow of the Almighty, that when people are dropping left and right, when people are falling and dying, it's not going to happen to you. In fact, no plague is even going to come nigh unto you people are all over the place are going to be getting the stuff but you know you don't have to worry about it you know whenever the next scare goes through you know we've all, we've had all the bird flus, the swine flu the uh west nile virus you know the what was the one Ebola. Couple, Ebola yeah Ebola all right we, it's amazing how many pandemics we've survived and uh, you know they you know it's, it's been several months since there's been a mass panic of some kind of disease All right, get ready for one as soon as the news gets slow we're going to all find out there's a new disease we all need to be worried about and you know what I'm going to do when that comes around I'm not going to worry about it All right, I do not trust the news media they do not scare me all that is is just a way to get us to go get more vaccinations that's, that's all that's all it is go get a vaccination and you'll be fine but you know I, you'll have some people that will use a verse like this some Christians like you know what you don't need to get any vaccination, you don't need to take any medicine, you don't need to worry about anything, And because if you're in the shadow of the Almighty, no plague can come nigh you. Now listen, I don't believe in vaccinations and getting all that junk, but are we allowed to take this and say, if you're right with God, you'll never get sick? Yeah, Christian science. Believe all sickness is sin. Believe it's all... Of the mind. I knew a Christian science guy like that one time. It was, he was weird. He was really old too. I was, he was so old, I was wondering if there was something to it. I never asked him how old he was, but he looked like he was about a hundred. But um, I don't think he was that old. He's, he's gotta be dead by now though. I'm sure he's probably dead by now. But, uh, he probably had a lapse in faith and, and ended, ended up killing him. But, anyway, we're, uh, so, can we take this and say, hey, if you're right with God, You will not get sick. It says, You know, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. What do we do with a verse like that? Well, that was just in that dispensation in in Israel, right? Is that what it was? Because you know, I see examples too. I mean, there was a lot of pestilences, there was a lot of plagues that went through Israel. In fact, I see one example uh where a plague went through and killed thousands, thousands of people because of something David did because of what David did thousands of people died from that plague so what do we do with this all right well let's keep going we'll get back to that but uh um, look at Galatians 6:9 notice one of the th- turn over to Galatians 6:9 so notice one of the things it says in there it says um, a thousand shall fall at thy side and 10,000 at thy right hand but it shall not come nigh thee only with thine eyes Shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Okay? And in Galatians 6 9, it says, And let us not be weary in well doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Okay? The reward of the wicked. Now, the the reward of the wicked that is talking about there is basically them getting their come up, them getting their punishment. But there the thing is, with the wicked. And there's other Psalms that we could go to to reference this and to prove this. But what, the reason it's, why is it tricky for us when we watch the wicked? What is it that causes us to doubt? Anybody, why, why, why do we struggle so much with the wicked? Exactly. Wickedness works. Okay? C- prove Kenneth Copeland's got his own airport. I can, hardly, I can hardly afford... To, I was just looking for plane tickets somewhere. I can hardly afford to get a coach plane ticket anywhere. He's got his own jet. I'm preaching the truth. He's a liar. He's robbing people of his money and I can't afford to go anywhere and he's got his own airport? You know, how is that fair? Okay, well see, he's got his earthly reward right now. But you know what? If I don't faint, I will see his real reward. I will see him, one of these days, get cast into hell. One of these days, I'm going to rule and reign on earth, and while I'm probably going to be poor here on this earth, in the millennium, who knows? Maybe the Lord will give me Kenneth Copeland's house. Give me his airport. and I'll I'll fly his plane around. Show him while he's burning in hell. See, that's pro- that, I mean, I don't, I don't know the Lord's going to give me all those things, but I do know the Lord's going to give me something in the millennial kingdom and He's going to go to hell. I know that much. And so we've got to understand we can't be fainting when we see the wicked prospering in their way. They're going to get what's coming to them. But what is it that... And that's what, I mean, this is clearly what this is teaching here. They are going to get their reward. They are going to get what they deserve. But what is it that the prosperity people all do they all. I remember watching Robert Tilton one time. I thought Robert Tilton got disgraced back in the 90s and was done for. And then I remember he like, I remember on the internet, anybody see the, uh, we're in church, I guess you should be careful, but the farting preacher videos. I, I'm sorry, I mentioned that in church. Anybody ever seen those? Those are hilarious. Those are some of the funniest things you'll ever see. And I remember, it was before YouTube those things were on the internet, and I'm telling you, I had many good laughs watching those things. And it was a lot of it was from stuff in the '90s. And you gotta watch it. You, 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 let me show you some of those after church. It's great stuff. All right, don't watch it in church, but inappropriate, but it's hilarious. But anyway, I remember I was watching those. I'd forgotten about Robert Tilton. My dad used to make fun of him all the time when he was on TV. He would just crack up watch him, you guys, such an idiot. But I remember it wasn't long after that, I was at a hotel and I'm I am i I'm at the I'm watching the Christian station and he's on there. That guy's still on T V conning people out of all their money. And here he is, he's on there, you know, he's telling people, hey do you want the blessings of God? You know, do you want this? Do you want that? You know, you know, you need to give and you know you need to sow your seed of faith, you need to do all this. And, you know, you could be living this life and he's showing like all these luxury hotels and, you know, people in these nice, fancy resorts and basically saying if you give him money, that's where you're, what you're going to be living with. And I'm thinking, how, and I remember they did a big thing, you know, Nightline or 2020, one of those things did a big thing on him just showing his multi-million dollar mansion that he lived in and I'm thinking, and, you know, and at this point in my life, I was broke. <laughs> Which is like in every point of my life, but I'm just like, how is this guy still getting away with this and still succeeding? And you see those things, and it causes you, you know, just Lord, just you know, let, Give me, let me do one scan, you know, let me do one of my ideas. Just give me, let me do one of my ideas, you know. But he he never lets me do them, never lets me get away with it. But you see those things, and it does, it can it can cause you to doubt. It can cause you to ask God, you know, Lord, what's wrong? Why do the wicked prosper? Why do they seem to get everything that they want? And you know, where, where I've got to struggle. And the Bible says, we shall reap if we faint not. Okay? And it's saying that because there's going to be times where we feel like that we're going to faint. And so look at verse 10. Let's read the rest of this chapter. So verse 10, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, and all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Anybody recognize that passage? All right. That's the one Satan used. Satan quoted Psalms 91 to Jesus, didn't he? Satan quoted. Let's go and read the rest of this. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. So, I mean, this entire chapter, nothing but good promises, all right? Nothing but good. So, is it okay now for us, whenever bad things happen to anybody, to say they're not right with God, they're not in the shadow of the Almighty? What do we do with this? How do we rightly divide this passage without making it just a dispensational thing for that day? What do we do with it? Now, there's some people that would say, well, these, this right here, these are all just promises to Jesus. These are prophecies to Jesus. Because, you know, we don't see Jesus ever getting sick. In the Bible. So maybe all of this was something that was, you know, specifically promised to him, and that's why Satan brought it up. And the truth is, uh, I don't think, I don't think that works. For one, on one hand, Jesus didn't have long life, did he? He died at 33. Unless you consider the fact that he came back and he's gonna live forever, but I, I don't think, I, I don't think that's quite what we're looking for and what we're gonna go with. So, uh, I don't personally believe that this entire chapter is just about Jesus. So, you know, the prosperity preacher though, you know, he's gonna make, he's gonna make it like this is all about you. And, you know, they'll try to tell you you're not right with God if bad things are happening. You know, right now, you know, call that number on your phone. If you don't, you're gonna be getting a bill you weren't expecting in the mail. You know, they, they, and they, they, they try all those tricks. So what are we to think when someone reads this passage and then they try to apply it to their life or someone else's life? I think the key to understanding this is let's go to Matthew chapter 4. Let's go look at the story in Matthew uh, when Satan quoted this chapter. Matthew chapter 4. This is a very important lesson that we need to get. Now listen, everything... Everything in Psalms 91 is true. Okay, Everything in Psalms 91 is true. It's not something that was just for that dispensation. All right, We, we, need, to, we need to keep that in mind. All right? Matthew chapter 4. Start, let's start reading in the beginning of the chapter. So then was Jesus led up with the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. And he answered and said, It is written... Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now let's stop right there. Okay, said right there. Man shall not live by bread alone, by every word. Okay, we don't just live our life by one chapter and one passage. We use the entire Bible, don't we? Okay, we use all of it, and it's very clear that we also see in the Bible that He maketh it to rain upon the just and on the unjust. We see. And all of God in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. We see all kinds of promises of bad things too. Physically speaking. Okay? We see we see both. We don't just see all prosperity and all goodness. We do see some promises of that, but we see bad things too. So we don't just get we don't get to just pick what we like from the Bible and take that and run with it. We live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And we see that even if we're right with God, there's going to be good things as well as bad things. And that was not just a dispensational thing because Job, was he not a good man? Was he not perfect and upright when that feared God has chewed evil? That's what God said about Job and that state in his life. And what does God do? God in that story, He allowed Satan to come and do some horrible things to him while Job was in the process of, of praying for his children. I mean, you don't get any more righteous than Job. Here he is in the process of you know, making sacrifices, praying for his children in case any of them had transgressed, and what happens? They all die. So, it's, it's very clear throughout the Scriptures that if you're right with God, even if you're right with God, bad things can happen. And... It makes me mad, and I got—I got to watch myself. We're all tempted to do this. We're all tempted whenever we see good or bad things happening to figure out why, because we never learn from Job and his friends. That's most of the book of Job. Is everybody trying to figure out why all the bad stuff happened to Job? And we—and the end of the story, the last few chapters, prove that you know what God knows we don't, and yet at the same time. We still do the same thing whenever people are struggling. We want to figure out why they're struggling, and if something good is happening to somebody, we want to figure out why that's happening. Why do we do that? Well, man, this person's really getting blessed. Why do you think they're getting blessed? Well, why do you care? Well, because I want to do what they're doing, so I'll get blessed too. Because I, I want what they've got. I'm going. I'm going. I'm not trying to dwell in the shadow of the Almighty. I'm trying to get good stuff. I'm trying to surround myself with blessings. I'm trying to get, you know, everything my. You know, wicked little heart desires. That's that's our attitude. That's what we're really thinking. But we do we see good and bad. We see good happening to bad people. We see bad happening to good people. We see verses rains of the just and the unjust. We don't just get to take one passage of scripture and do whatever we want to with it. We don't get to do that. And so let's let's read some more of the story in Matthew chapter four. So then in verse five. Then the devil taketh them up into the holy city and setteth them on the pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up. lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So what's the devil doing right here? The devil... He's going all Robert Tilton, Kenneth Copeland, you know, Baptist preacher calling down doom and gloom or blessings on whoever he wants. He's taking this scripture and basically telling Jesus, hey, you, know, you can jump from this pin- pinnacle of this temple, nothing's going to happen to you. You're going to be fine. You know, the angels will bear the up, less any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. I mean, making it like nothing could happen to him. And I understand in this situation, he's trying to tempt Jesus into being reckless. I, I get that. He's trying to he's trying to tempt them into being reckless, which we're not supposed to do that. But you know what? Is that passage even saying that if accidentally we can't dash our foot against a stone? We, we can have accidents. you all see that mark on my nose. I had an accident just yesterday. I dropped the box right on my nose. It hurt. I bled. And it, it was very painful. Well, if you'd been praying right then, you know, yeah. Sorry, I was working, you know, I'm supposed to work too. It's also in the Bible we're supposed to provide for our family. I was being obedient to the Lord, and I smoked my nose, and it hurt really bad. Alright? So, you know, is that how we're supposed to take that passage? Is that what we're supposed to do with it? Does anybody think Jesus, while he was on earth, you know, he never tripped, he never got hurt on accident, you know, he never had You know, the Bible doesn't tell us any examples, but I don't know, I'm assuming he might have had Uh, some things happen to him. But, one thing, so some things we need to learn from this is, you know, one, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word, but not only is it about, we go by all the Bible, not just what we like. Notice that man should not live by bread alone. Okay? We're not just, it's not just about the physical needs. Jesus had been 40 days without food. He needed food, didn't he? He needed food. So Satan's trying to tempt him into turning the stone into bread. But Jesus said, Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Okay, Now, I've read my Bible quite a bit, and it never filled my stomach one time. What was he talking about there? He was saying, hey, it's not just about the physical things. It's about the spiritual things. And when we read Psalms 91... I do. I, if if you are in the shadow of the Almighty, God can protect you from all those things physically. But ultimately, ultimately, you know it's not just about living by bread alone, but by the Word of God. It's about the spiritual things. And guess what? If you're saved, if you put your faith and trust in Christ, none of the nothing, none of those things can touch you. Amen. Nothing that could kill me spiritually. Can't. is nothing that can kill me spiritually. There is no disease. There is no pestilence. There is no arrows. There is nothing that could ever hurt me physically. I don't think it's wrong to take that passage and to make a spiritual application for it. We see Jesus doing that whenever whenever He's talking to Satan. We see Satan trying to make everything physical with Jesus. But we see Jesus taking everything and He's making it spiritual, isn't He? And so whenever we read... Psalms 91 applies... And God can do all those things physically for us. But you know what? He might not. But He will spiritually. And many people today, especially in the dispensational world, they still can't see the spiritual application to physical passages in the Old Testament. They still can't see it. They're just like the Jews who when Jesus gave them the physical bread... The next day, they came back again wanting more physical bread. But Jesus said, no, now it's time for the spiritual bread. And you know what? They didn't want the spiritual bread. They wanted the physical bread. And Jesus said, I gave you the physical bread so you could see I could give you the spiritual bread. But you know what? When they figured out that there was no physical bread, they left them. They they forgot about them. And you know what? There's a lot of people, and and we see in the Old Testament that time after time after time, God would give them the physical blessings. God would give them all those physical promises. But then what would they do? They would forget the Lord. Every time God would bless them and He would prosper them, they would forget the Lord. And so God would come along and say, hey, guess what, Israel? It's time now for you to get what's really important, and that's the spiritual blessings. So God would allow bad things physically to come their way so He could give them the spiritual blessings, and sadly, many of them never got it. But that's ultimately what he wanted. And Psalms nine I do. Psalms ninety one, yeah, what we're seeing there is physical, but I do believe that we should be applying it spiritually. And if you are, if you're saved, nothing can touch you spiritually. You will go to heaven no matter what. And nothing can change that. And so I do I think Psalms ninety one completely applies. We're supposed to live by every word of God. We don't just get to pick the ones we like. And, you know, and do we do we really think? And so here, because you know, here is another thing too. When it comes to the physical part of it and receiving the physical blessings, do any of us think that we have perfectly stayed close to God? You know, I'm, I, I've heard people before. I listened to a mom one time lamenting the fact that her kids were going bad. She's like, "I don't understand. I did everything right. Really." You raise your kids perfect, huh? And at the time, you know our kids were little. Man, our kids are really little, but I can tell you right now, I haven't been a perfect parent. And the truth is, this person was far from being a perfect parent. Far. I used to thank the Lord they weren't my parent. (laughs) I was just like, how horrible that must be if I was them. I'd be trying to escape home too. I'd be trying. I'd be trying to get out of there. But you know, listen. Are any of us? We have the New Testament, all right. We understand a lot more about sin than they did in the Old Testament. We have Romans three twenty three where it says, For all have sin and come short of the glory of God. You know, we see we have verse like there's none as it is written, There is none righteous, no, not one. We all understand just how wicked we are. We understand that in our flesh dwelleth no good thing. We understand that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Do we really think we've been perfect and staying in the shadow of the Almighty? We have not. You know what attitude we ought to have? okay? The attitude that we should have is that, you know what, I can't believe the Lord is protecting me. I can't believe the Lord has been this good to me. I mess up all the time. And I, I, you know, I could be wrong. I could be wrong on this. But I think if we actually were perfect, we probably wouldn't have any problems. I don't know. I might be wrong on that. You know, Job was really close. Alright? And he still had problems. But in the end, let's just say that I could show you a verse in the Bible that says, if you're perfect, you'll never have any problems. Well, that cancels out for me, doesn't it? Because I know I've not been perfect. But whenever we do, whenever we have that attitude, when we go to Psalms 91, you know, when I read Psalms 91 and I read all these promises for the shadow of the Almighty, you know, it doesn't make me go and say, wow. I can't wait to go to the mailbox and see how much money i got coming in today. I I, I don't do that. That's not my attitude because I know I haven't been perfect. I know God's being gracious to me every time He blesses me. And so I'm not foolish enough to think that I deserve to never get sick. That I deserve to just have nothing but good stuff. I don't think I'd even deserve to not have a fiery dart from the devil hit me every now and then. And so why would we take Psalms 91... And start doubting God because we got pneumonia or fever or something. I thought none of those things were going to be able to touch us. Well, I'm surprised you think you're perfect. I'm surprised you think you're that close to God. Usually the closer we get to God, the more sorry we think we are. But yet there's a lot of people out out there today that think that they're invincible, that nothing can touch them because, man, they're living Psalm 91 to a T. No, you are not. You are foolish. You don't even know what you're talking about. The promises of God's protection, they're not there so we can be reckless, but just so we'll not fear. Okay. Satan tried to get Jesus to jump from the pinnacle of the temple. That was reckless. We shouldn't do reckless things. I shouldn't go driving home tonight as fast as I can. Just, you know, hey, I'm a child of God. I can't have a wreck unless the Lord wants me to have a wreck. You know, so I'm going to go drive like a maniac, go skydiving without a parachute, you know, whatever. No, I, I will get killed if I do those things. I, I, bad, you know, bad things will happen. Well, if you're right with God, you'll, you don't have to worry about anything. You don't have to even worry about a cop pulling you over. You know, he won't be there. He'll let you go. No, if I'm reckless, bad things will happen to me. And Jesus said, you know, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. I think we often do. We, all, we often tempt God by being reckless. I think we even tempt God with just our entitled attitude... To all the blessings. I mean, do we really want to live our life getting what we deserve? Aren't we, aren't we the group? Aren't we in the dispensation that understands that if we got what we deserved, we'd be in hell? So why would we, once again, take Psalms ninety-one and just think, "All right, it's time for easy street"? That is ridiculous to have to have that attitude and to think that way. So you're saying that for so if we do get sick it is because we have something wrong. So is it okay now for us to figure out what we've got you know what what this person's got wrong with that? No, we don't need we don't need to do that. You know what we need to do? We just need to trust God and understand the fact that He knows. He knows what's going on, He sees what's happening, and while those things might be coming at us, you know, while we we do get hit with a lot of bad things that make things difficult, you know, we're not defeated until we're dead. And even then we're not really defeated, are we? Because of the fact we're going to be in heaven with Christ. We see in Revelation that the Antichrist, he is going to overcome the saints. But the Bible says they overcome him. How can you overcome him if you're dead? They overcame him because of the fact they didn't give in, because they didn't take his mark. Because they were were obedient to God. And what we need to get from Psalms 91 is that when we stay close to God, there's no need to be afraid. That doesn't mean... We are not surrounded by scary things. It doesn't mean that we're not going to be surrounded by chaos and turmoil and sorrow. It just means we don't have to be afraid. Okay, Is a fiery furnace you know, worthy of being afraid? Okay, Yes, being surrounded by fire is a cause for concern. Okay? But not when Jesus is in there with you. When he's in there with you, it's not a reason for concern. And there are many things that we might, situations we might find ourselves in that are a human cause for concern, but if Christ is with us, then we don't need to worry about it. We don't, we don't need to have fear. We can still be victorious, we can still be joyful, and we can get through those things unscathed if we will stay close to God. So it's clear we might find ourselves surrounded by problems, but we don't need to fear. We don't need to despair. And we definitely don't need to take Psalms 91 and read it and go crying and figuring out why God's been so unfair to us because, you know, our kids got the chicken pox or something like that. You know, it, that, that is just a bunch of foolishness. And we need, to, we need to live by every word of God, but at the same time, we do need to understand that God is our fortress. He is, he is where we go running. And when we find ourselves surrounded by these things, get as close to Him as you can. Get in His shadow. Stay in His shadow. And if anything happens, it's going to be in His will. And you know what? When all those bad things happen to Job, Job was in God's will when all those things happened. And God ended up giving Job double of what he had. And so if you really are in God's shadow and bad things are happening to you, then God's going to reward you for those things. You'll be glad you got through those things as long as you remain in the shadow. So, thank God that He is our fortress. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank You so much for Your goodness to us. We thank You for Your protection, for Your provision. Dear God, I pray You'll help us to learn from this passage. Lord, help us not read Psalms 91 and get this attitude of everything great is going to happen to me and nothing bad. Lord, I pray you'll just help us be thankful for every good thing we get. And I pray we'll stay close to you, that we'll shadow you, and just try to be like you in every way possible. And I pray you'll bless each one for it. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and stand.